Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. Jesus forgave us of all sin, past, present, and even future sin. The first time I realized that Jesus took the absolute penalty, punishment, all of it for my sins, that was freedom for me. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Monday's broadcast of The Gospel Truth. Today, I'm continuing to teach on a subject that I have entitled, Living in the Balance of Grace and Faith. And I tell you, this is one of my favorite things to teach on. It has totally transformed my life. Understanding what God's part is, that's grace, and what our part is, that's faith. And I've already spent two weeks teaching on this, so this is the beginning of my third week, and I have covered a lot of material. If you haven't gotten this material, I encourage you to please get it. I have this uh, in book form. We have multiple books, but this is our uh, English book right here. Uh, here is one in uh, Spanish, and here is one in French, and here is one in, what is that, Dutch, and here is Hungarian, and we have a lot of other translations. I forget exactly how many. We also have a study guide. We have CDs, DVDs, and DVDs that were taken from our television program. And let me just also say that the way I've been teaching this here on television has come out totally different than the way that it's taught in the book and on these CDs and DVDs. I don't know exactly why. I don't use notes. I just teach it, you know, these are things that God has established in my heart and it's just like I came at it at a different way. So the reason I say that is to say that the teaching this time on television is different. It's not, it's not different in the, in the content, but in the way I approached it, the way it's organized and stuff. And so these materials would supplement this and be quite a bit different than what I've taught here on uh, television. For those of you that haven't watched this, or just a quick review of the previous two weeks, I established uh, from Ephesians 2.8 that you're saved by grace through faith, not one or the other, but a combination of the two. Now that is really, really important. And as a whole, people tend to either emphasize the grace of God, and it's just all up to God, and they don't have any responsibility. Anything that happens is God's will. Or they will emphasize faith and they'll talk about it's up to us. You've got to believe God and you've got to do this. There's abuses to both of those and it's only when you combine the two that you really see the power of God released. And I've used a lot of materials and, and taught a lot of things in the last two weeks on that. At the end of last week, I was teaching about the Sabbath rest and Colossians 2, 16 and 17, along with Hebrews chapter 4, shows that this Sabbath was a picture of this relationship between grace and faith. That God by grace has already anticipated every need. He's already provided everything. And faith doesn't move God. Faith doesn't make God do anything. God by grace has already anticipated and met every need before you and I existed, before we ever had a need. Grace has already made the supply before the need existed, but faith just reaches out and takes what God has already provided. And I use creation, Adam and Eve entering into God's rest to illustrate that. I tell you, that's powerful. To me, that is such an awesome illustration of the relationship between grace and faith that if you've missed any of this, I encourage you to please get it. 
So today I want to just amplify on some of these things that I've already made the points, but I want to zero in and just uh, explain this a little bit more. But in uh, Psalms chapter 78, 41, and he said, Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. And of course, this is talking about the Israelites, that they came out of the land of Egypt and God's intention was to never have them die in the wilderness. He had already provided them a land that had been promised to them that was flowing with milk and honey. It was super abundance. It wasn't God's will for them to be in the wilderness, but they limited God and what He could do through their unbelief. And if you put this together with Hebrews chapter 4, it says we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. It was their rejection of God and lack of trusting God that caused them to die in the wilderness and not receive the promises. So if you, if you are paying attention, which it just amazes me how many people read the Bible and they don't use their brain. They don't think. But if you're thinking, I mean, this totally disproves what, you know, I guess you could call hyper sovereignty teaching that God controls everything, that nothing happens but what it's God's will. I mean, it is abundantly clear in Scripture that God intended to bring the Israelites out of Egypt and into the promised land in that generation. It was just one year after they came out of the land of Egypt when He sent the spies in Numbers chapter 13 and they were going to enter into the promised land. And the only reason for that year, it was only an 11-day journey from Egypt to the promised land, but he sent them by Mount Sinai and he gave them the law and instituted you know, government for the nation and things like this. And so for one year, there was some preparation and things that needed to be done. But within one year, he had the Israelites get ready to go in and possess the land. And when they saw the giants and they saw the fenced cities and they saw their defenses, they just got into unbelief and they refused to go. And because of it, that entire generation died in the wilderness. And that's what this is referring to, that in their heart, they turned back and tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. This makes it abundantly clear that what God wills does not just automatically come to pass. There is a cooperation on our part. And if you don't understand this, if you don't get the balance between grace and faith, you are going to go into a ditch on one side of the road. Either you are going to get over there thinking, que Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. It's just up to God whether these things work out. It's up to God whether I get healed. So you just throw a prayer up and say, God, if it's your will, heal me. And then, depending on what happens, if the pain leaves, it must have been God's will. If the pain doesn't leave, well, then it must not be God's will. That is a sorry way to relate to God. Forgive me for being blunt, but I tell you, I'm, I'm fighting against a tremendous amount of religious traditions and doctrines here, and I just hadn't got time to pussyfoot around and, and try and sneak up on this. I'm telling you that God wants you well. God wants you blessed. He's already done these things. God has already provided these things, but there is a part that you have to play, and your part is not to get God motivated to do something. See, God by grace already loves you. He's already provided everything. God has a perfect plan for your life. Boy, this is so powerful. If you could understand this, you don't have to... It's not like you're an afterthought. Whether your parents knew you were coming or not, you, they may have called you a mistake. 
They may not have planned it, but God knew everything about you. Psalms 139, before your parts were even formed in your mother's belly, God knew you and already had uh, determined your days. And He has a perfect plan for you. Now, because of statements like that, some people see that go into the extreme sovereignty of God will sit there and say, well, therefore, you are just chosen and determined, predetermined by God, whether you're going to be a success or whether you're going to be a failure, whether things are going to go good or bad. And they just blame everything that happens, good and bad, on totally God's predestination. God has a predetermined plan for your life, but He doesn't force it to come to pass. He has a path for you to walk on. He's, he's equipped you and He's given you certain talents and gifts, but you have complete choice as to whether or not God's plan for your life comes to pass. God has a plan for your life, but you have to choose. You have to respond in faith. And you can see that so clearly in the Israelites, in their relationship, because, I mean, it is abundantly clear that God wanted them to enter into this promised land, but they could not do it. They limited God through their unbelief. Let me share a passage of Scripture with you out of Deuteronomy uh, chapter 7. This is the same point that I'm making. It's just uh, a different passage of uh, Scripture. But... Um, Let's read Deuteronomy chapter 7. This is Moses speaking to the Israelites not long before his death and he was rehearsing Jewish history and how that God had brought them out of the uh, land of Egypt and all of these promises and all of these things that he had done for them. And these are some of the promises. In Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 14, he says, Thou shalt be blessed above all people. There shall not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. Now again, this is one of the blessings of God. And the Israelites' covenant was inferior to our covenant. Hebrews chapter 8 and 9 says that. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, many places. We have a superior covenant. And all of the blessings that were under the old covenant are included in the new covenant, plus they're amplified upon. They are even increased. So these things that were said right here are for us today. There is not one person that's going to be uh, barren among us or any that cast their young. And yet there are people today who aren't able to conceive children. There are people today that are having miscarriages, not because God doesn't have the provision and it's not His will for you to be perfectly well and to have children, but we have to respond. And there are so many people that they may desire to have children and they may desire not to have miscarriages, but they don't understand that they have authority and power and they aren't using their faith and they aren't speaking. It's not because God doesn't will it that those things aren't coming to pass. It's because we haven't learned how to respond to God. Boy, those are huge statements. And I can guarantee you there is a large segment of Christianity that will criticize me for saying this and saying, so you're saying that somebody's uh, miscarriage or somebody's inability to have children is their fault. Well, I'm not saying that it's because of some sin necessarily or because they have done something rebellious, but I am saying it's not God's fault. God has provided this and we have to reach out and take it. And our religious teaching today has made us so passive that we just throw a prayer up Say, God, if it's your will, 
let me have children. And then if nothing happens, we don't take any authority. We don't take any responsibility. We don't stand in faith. And that passivity will keep people from receiving. It may not be sin. It may not be rebellion. But it, at the very least is ignorance. At the very worst, it's people that just refuse to take the responsibility and stand on the Word of God and make this come to pass. So I am saying, yes, it's not God's fault. It's our fault, either intentional or through ignorance. We aren't doing things that we need to do. And again, I know that there's many people mad about that because they do not want to have any responsibility. This is why the extreme hyper-sovereignty of God is so uh, uh, attractive to people because it takes total responsibility away from you. You can sit on the couch. You can be a couch potato. You can never study the Word. You can never pray. You don't have to love people. You don't have to seek God. You don't have to do anything. And whatever happens, it's God's will. It is a cop-out. It is an easy way to live. But it is not true. So this right here shows you that this is God's will. It says in verse 15, And the Lord shall take away from thee all sickness, and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt which thou knowest upon thee, but will lay them upon all them that hate thee. It says He will heal all sickness. And again, there's many religious people that just will not believe that that is provided by God. But that was very clearly provided under this old covenant. Did you know it says that when they came out of the land of Egypt, there was not one feeble person among them. Now, we don't know the exact number, but I mean a conservative estimate of the number of Jews was a million and a half. And some people think it's up to three million Jews that came out of the land of Egypt. And out of three million people, there wasn't one feeble person among them. There was old people there. There was all of these things and there wasn't a single feeble person. You know why? Because they had just eaten the Passover meal. And the Passover meal, they were healed as they ate of it. Man, if I had time, you could just take the Passover and show that it is symbolic of Jesus dying for us. And uh, when Jesus died for us, healing is a part of the atonement. And as these people stood in faith and took this step of faith, the healing power of God flowed through them. And there wasn't one feeble person in all of the multitude of, of the Israelites that came out of Egypt because God had provided healing for them. He's provided healing for us. There doesn't have to be one feeble person among us, but there are, not because God hasn't already supplied it by grace, but because we aren't responding in faith. Some of it is total rejection. There are people that believe, no, God doesn't heal today. Well, that'll, that'll stop God's grace that He's already provided from working for you. There's other people that believe God has healed and they desire it, but they don't understand the authority that God has given. So instead of doing what the Lord told us in Mark 11:23, it says, speak unto your mountain and command it to be cast into the sea. Instead, people are speaking unto God and saying, oh God, please heal me. God has already healed you. He's already placed this supernatural raising from the dead power on the inside of you. And instead of you asking God to heal you, you need to believe that God by grace has already provided these things. You take your authority and then you speak to the mountain. You speak to the problem. You command sickness to be gone. Man, that's powerful what I've said. And most people do not understand this. And, it, and you could say it, express it in a lot of ways, but it's they don't understand grace, God's part, and faith, our part. 
You will either have people get over here and they're trying to make God do something. And they think it's all up to them and it's based on their holiness. And that's wrong. Faith doesn't move God. Faith just reaches out and receives what God has already provided by grace. And if you don't understand that, you're going to get into tremendous bondage on one side or the other, either thinking that it's just up to God. And so you've prayed. Now you're waiting on God. Or you're going to get into a place where you have to make God do something. Both of those are wrong. There is a proper relationship between the two. This is Deuteronomy 7, 16. It says, And thou shalt consume all the people which the Lord thy God shall deliver thee. Thine eye shall have no pity upon them, neither shalt thou serve their gods, for that will be a snare unto thee. And look at this in verse 17. He had just promised them total healing, total victory over all of their enemies. He was promising them that they were going to be above only, not beneath, the head and not the tail. They had win and not lose. But then he says, If thou shalt say in thine heart, These nations are more than I, how can I dispossess them? Now, I used to read this as saying, If these people would say, These nations are stronger than I am, how could I dispossess them? No, it's not the people saying these nations are more than I, how can I dispossess them? The people say that first segment, these nations are mightier than I. Then the second half says, God is saying, how can I dispossess them? If you don't interpret it that way, this doesn't make sense. It's not a complete sentence. What this is saying is, if he promised them all of this victory, but if you say these nations are too strong for me, then God is saying, how can I dispossess them? How can I give you the victory that I have promised because it's according to the power that works in us? Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says, Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. And most people will put a period right there and just stop. And they'll say, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. Well, certainly God has that power, but it will never work it will never, the power of God will never manifest if you don't finish the verse. It goes on to say, Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. The word according to means to the proportion of or to the degree of the power that works in us. If there is no power working in you, then God cannot dispossess them. God cannot move. God cannot heal you. I know that that's offensive to some people because they say God can do anything. Well, you could say it this way. God will not heal you. He will not deliver you. He will not set you free if there isn't some degree of faith in your life. Now, this gets a little complicated because there are some people that have such strong faith that Jesus said unto some of the people, your faith has made you whole. Other people, their faith wasn't to that level, and so Jesus would have to go minister to them, and he would get the healing to them. But they still had to have at least some degree of faith present. And to prove that, you could turn to Mark chapter 6 and read about when Jesus was in his hometown, and it says he could do no mighty works there, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk, and he marveled because of their unbelief. It didn't say that he wouldn't do it. He could not do it because of their unbelief. If you put that Mark 6, 5 together with Matthew 13, 58, 
you will see very clearly that the reason he could not do these miracles was because of their unbelief, not because of his unbelief. Jesus was operating perfectly. The grace of God was with him. The power of God was there. But God cannot, or you could say does not, will not, move when you are not going to receive and, and put some faith into it. Again, I refer back to a verse I've already used today, Hebrews chapter 4, I believe it's verse 2. We see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Their unbelief stopped God. Our unbelief stops God's grace from working. We have to respond in faith. A verse that I've used a lot during this series is Romans chapter 5, verse 2. It says, we have access by faith into this grace. God's grace is everything that He is, everything that He has, everything that He wants to do in your life. That's grace, and it's available on an unearned, undeserved basis. But you have to access it by faith. If there isn't any faith, then even though God has a perfect plan for you, and before you were even formed in the womb, God had all of your parts known. All of your days were written in a book and He had your life planned out. What His purpose, what His will for your life is. Sure, there is a destiny that God has predetermined for you, but it is 100% conditional upon you responding in faith. It doesn't come to pass automatically. It doesn't work that way. You have to believe God. You have to trust God and receive what God has done. So today I've been emphasizing that uh, we have a responsibility to reach out and receive everything that God has for us by grace. But you could go and emphasize the other side. There are some people, see, that get so into, all right, I've got to do this and this. They forget that it's God's grace that has already predetermined these things. It's already supplied before you ever need it. And they take the responsibility upon themselves to try and make God do something. I'm telling you, you don't have to get God motivated to be on your side. God loves you more than you love you. God wants you to prosper more than you want to prosper. God wants to heal you more than you want to be healed. You don't have to do something to get God's attention. What you've got to do is learn how to rest in God's grace. You got to start putting faith in God's grace. Do you want to connect with like-minded believers? Then Karis Bible Studies is the place for you. Find a Bible study near you by visiting karisbiblestudies.net. You know, I believe we have the best phone center on the planet. We have testimonies every single day of lives that are being changed. And we've averaged somewhere around 36, 37,000 calls a month. It's just tremendous. But did you know we couldn't do this without our partners? Partners, you are the ones who make this happen. Every one of the people who answer our phones, they are paid employees. And uh, this is a ministry that is touching thousands of lives every month. And I just wanted to let you partners know that you are a big part of it. Thank you very much for what you've done. And thank you for being a part of the Andrew Womack Ministries Helpline. Andrew's teaching titled, Living in the Balance of Grace and Faith, is available as a live teaching on either CD or DVD, or in a DVD set as seen on TV. You can also get this teaching as a book or study guide in either English or Spanish. 
Or you can get the Living in the Balance of Grace and Faith package, which includes your choice of either the CD or DVD album, the book, and the study guide. This package has a catalog value of $85, but you can get it today for only $60. Also, today's individual audio CD is available for a gift of any amount when you write or call. We encourage everyone to give, but if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide today's teaching free of charge. You can order resources or become a Grace Partner through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download many free resources. Or call our helpline at 719-635-1111. If the lines are busy, remember, you can order ministry materials or become a Grace Partner 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at awmi.net. If you'd like to write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. We'd like to point out Andrew's upcoming speaking schedule. Mark your calendars to come meet Andrew at one of these events and let the Word of God transform your life. In the month of March, Andrew will be in Woodland Park, Colorado to host the Army Conference for Ministers with special guests Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, Congressman Bob McEwen, Dr. Barry Burns, and Barry Bennett. In April, Andrew will be hosting several events at the Sanctuary in Woodland Park. First, he'll be hosting the annual Karis Bible College Campus Days with Karis instructors Barry Bennett, Carrie Pickett, Greg Moore, Rick McFarland, Daniel Bennett, and Lawson Perdue. Next, Andrew will be hosting the new musical, David, the King of Jerusalem. Lastly, in April, he'll be hosting a special concert with John Tesh and Dave Bell and the Moment Band. In May, he'll be in Louisville, Irving, and Fort Worth, Texas. Also in May, Andrew will be in Telford, England for the annual UK Grace and Faith Conference with special guests Wendell Parr, John Donnelly, Dominic Burns, and Dwayne Sheriff. For more details on Andrew's next meeting in your area, visit our website at awmi.net. I'd like to encourage you to check out our inside story on our website. I interview people, and uh, during this month's inside story, I'm interviewing Dave and Marion Riffle, and he was an actual uh, chiropractor for 44 years, got hold of my teaching on God Wants You Well, found out that he had the authority. He spoke and saw a woman with Alzheimer's healed, and she was just totally out of it and came back, and he got so blessed that he left his 44-year practice, came to Bible college, now is ministering to people, leading people to the Lord, it's going to bless you. So check it out, The Inside Story at awmi.net. Hello, this is Andrew Womack, and I just would like to encourage you to help us get the gospel out through social media. By joining us on Facebook, you will receive exclusive content like Andrew's weekly Tuesday Night Live Bible study, teachings, live streams, and Q&A sessions with Andrew. So we would like to see you like our Facebook page to share it with other people 
and you be a minister of the gospel by sharing this with someone else. This is Andrew Womack, and I want to invite you to join me on May the 2nd through the 4th. I'm going to be at Calvary Church, Pastor Ben Daly's church in Irving, Texas, and uh, I'm going to be holding a Gospel Truth Seminar there. I know you'll be blessed, so remember it's May the 2nd through the 4th, Calvary Church, Irving, Texas. Come and join us for a great time in the Word of God.